Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm a Slytherin. Seriously, I'm a Slytherin. I went on to Pottermore and took the stupid house test, and apparently I am the doom of us all. Hashtag Voldemort was right all along. Hey, there were there were pr- plenty. Of, I mean, of I'm great, Alex. There were plenty of great Slytherins. You know, there there's there's Salazar Slytherin. He was a cool dude. There's, <laughs> there there's was Snake. Draco. There's Draco Malfoy. There's Drake. There's Lucius Malfoy. There's Crab and Goyle. <laughs> there's Voldemort. That might be my biggest issue with the Harry Potter universe. Is that Slytherins just seem so unredeemable? <laughs> like yeah. I feel like they, ne- I feel like she and the movies never actually like give them anything <laughs> in terms of like, like it's it's great to read like the sorcerer, sorcerers, the the Sorting Hats like song where it's like Gryffindor, they're brave and hu- or Ravenclaw, they're they're clever and Hufflepuff, they're so loyal. The Slytherins are just a bunch of jerks. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it almost would have been interesting. You know how like they introduced luna lovegood in the fifth one mm-hmm. i almost feel like they should have introduced someone who was a slytherin yeah. instead who kind of joined yeah. their group yeah that would have been interesting that would have been nice so before we get into the movie we should probably go ahead and explain uh that we're back to skype calls and recording it that way for now yep um i have started a new job elsewhere away from tyler's vicinity so Unfortunately, we will not be able to be in the same room for most of our recordings for the near future, at least. Correct. Um, so yeah, before Alex kidnaps me, correct. Blame Tyler because he doesn't have a decent mic yet. So if nope. there's crap, crappy audio, you know, it's all his fault. Because <laughs> we've never had crappy audio before. I don't know what you're talking. No, about. I, I, I am going to be acquiring a the the second official here come the sequels microphone. In the near future, we're gonna we're gonna really bump up the uh, the production values here and uh, and get things going. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, it's gonna yeah. go terribly wrong. Oh, it's gonna just, just like very everything badly. else. That's correct. So um, Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's right. I kind of missed the the thing. <laughs> Everything's different now. It's fine. Directed I'm by. Missing... You're still talking. <laughs> You you've held up the score sheet and it's it's blocked my entire view. I'm, yeah, I'm literally just looking at a blank piece of paper. Yeah, you got a problem with that? No, I guess not. All right, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, directed by Chris Columbus from 2002. It has an 82 percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and an 80 percent audience score, which is the exact flip of Sorcerer's Stone fascinating so they're pretty much on par so basically everyone who watched both was just like yeah it's pretty all right i guess yeah tyler give me your best thing and your worst thing about harry potter and the chamber of this movie's too long (laughs) (laughs) well my best thing is that i'm I'm gonna go ahead and look up the run times for all these i i I do believe this is the longest but i'm not sure it, it has to be there's no way um, this one's two hours and 40 minutes, so I don't, yeah. I don't know beyond that. Um, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, my best thing, which I'm going to steal from you, because we've already discussed this. the book is so short. What? Is considering the book, how, yeah. how short it is, you know. Well, it's just like if they tried to adapt the rest of them this way, um, 
<laughs> it would have been disastrous. Order of the Phoenix would have literally been like six hours. Um, which is not to say I'm necessarily happy with the way the other one turned out. But anyway, um, my best thing is Kenneth Branagh, and I'm stealing that from you, um, because we I know we discussed this already, but he is to me far and away the best thing. His performance brings so much life to this movie, and I feel like he's the most iconic part of it. And he's he's just delightful, and every scene he's in is it's just a joy to watch him. He's he's you can tell he's loving every second of it, and he has great chemistry with like the kids and everything. And it's it's just he's so good. It's it's such a good time watching him. Yep. Um. <laughs> oh, by the way, yes. Uh, by four minutes. Chamber of Secrets is the longest Harry Potter movie. Okay. Goblet of Jordan... Fire is oh, right okay. behind it with 157 minutes. Gotcha. Okay. Fascinating. But that one actually makes sense for why it's so long. So. Sure. Yeah. I forget if... Is that the second longest book? Yes, I believe or so. The I believe longest. the fifth one is the longest. The fifth one's like a good like 50,000 words longer than Order of the Phoenix which is I think again quite a bit longer than the next one or sorry Goblet of Fire not Order of the Phoenix yeah strike that reverse it um my worst thing jeez Why don't, why don't you tell me your best thing? We've been <laughs> criticized beforehand for not planning these things, and what do you do? You continue not to plan. It's part of the bit. It's part of the style and the culture. Okay, it's only a bit for so long. After a while, it gets really obnoxious. <laughs> you mean maybe after two hours and 40 minutes? Got him. <laughs> that might be... Okay, so no, 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 realistically. um, My worst thing is... The fact that this... So, you, you mentioned last time that you were starting to reread the books. Um, I did the same thing. I After, like, you, you convinced me. So, after, like, over the course of the I last convinced week, I him by saying that I was doing it. Correct, yes. Um, That's the effect the course, I have on people. Well, see, I used to, like, live and breathe these. Like, every time a new book came out, every time a new movie came out, I would reread the entire series. And I, that it is probably the closest thing to my childhood in the way that people describe media as their childhood. Um we talked about this on on kind of the i think last jedi podcast how uh the for me i don't have a ton of nostalgia for like the original trilogy or anything like that i have a ton of nostalgia for lord of the rings as we we've also went over but may, maybe this even more than i'm thinking about it like i think this is the most like defining piece of media that that or storytelling that affected me as a kid and they're so good um I know, I know. There, she's not winning awards for like her. J.K. Rowling isn't winning awards for like her prose or anything. But they're just so smart and clever, and there are her creativity and her her imagination just bleeds through every single page yeah. of. At least I've gotten through th- three and a half books so far, and and just like every ounce of it, like you can just just the number of details she flings out there about the world and how good she is at at building up this world and giving you little hints of things off in far corners and like every book kind of expands on on the lore and everything and it's all these little details and i really I, i almost feel like the 
the Hogwarts especially the not the not the castle but the students within it and the teacher like I feel like everything about Hogwarts is just extremely diminished in these movies and I think it kind of starts with this one because there is just a ton of taking scenes take, taking basically what the bare minimum of the scenes they need to fulfill the plot putting it in this movie transi- transitioning kind of weirdly between the scenes and not giving us the the filler not the filler that's, that's the right word for it but the the build up and the 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 time to breathe the um, connective tissue exactly yeah the 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 tissue with all the interactions with like i'm thinking in the first one i didn't realize this until after we had already talked about the first one but the first book neville is almost a fourth protagonist neville longbottom is in the first movie he's just there for a few jokes and like of course he has the the bit with the standing up to harry and hermione and ron and that's so much more powerful in the book because we know neville a lot more um and i think that kind of he almost exemplifies why i have a problem with at least these first two movies and maybe going forward i'll have to kind of keep track of this but in this movie uh one of the first things I noticed that they changed is that Neville, and this is such a weird specific detail that is is may seem nitpicky, but I think it talks to the the overall way that they approach this. Um, but the first, like one of the first scenes we get in, in Hogwarts when they're in class is they go to Herbology to try and set up the the Mandrakes, and they have Neville faint because Neville's silly and he's terrible at everything. But in the books, it's very specific that Neville is great at herbology. Yeah. And it's it's kind of, in that scene, you get that. And then you also get the fact that the Slytherins are, like the, the same year Slytherins, the second year Slytherins, are in the class with Harry and the rest of the Gryffindors and just kind of like everybody. Like it's like all the, all, all, all the students are in one class. And all we get out of that is, this is the only time we're in this greenhouse in the entire movie. And all we get out of that is Malfoy and his goons laugh at Neville. Because Neville faints. Because Neville's terrible at everything. And yeah. it's... I feel like we lose so much of the background characters. I mean, Fred and George are constantly there. They're, they're constantly a part in the books. Like, they, they, they're not as, not as prominent in, like, the, any of the books as Neville was in the first one, I would, I would argue. But they're constantly there. They're constantly commenting on things. We're constantly getting jokes out of them. And, and they are understanding their reactions to things. Um throughout the this particular book Ginny is constantly reacting to when she has uh get like when whenever anything happens related to the chamber secret secrets we always get a glimpse of her in the book of like oh she's she's crying and then there's always a justification for it where harry is like it, kind of because we're looking from harry's perspective it's like oh so Ginny's crying because she was really good friends with colin creevy or whatever or yeah. you know so she she's crying about miss norris because she loves cats i don't know there, there there's always something there that's trying to explain away the fact that she's super upset about this and it's not until we get to the end that we realize oh hey she was actually upset about this the whole time and it but it just feels so natural because that's how her writing works and that's how her world building works jk rowling's i mean uh where she just throws all these characters and, and just expects you to kind of keep track of them and know them because she does build on them throughout the series and, and constantly and I feel like the, this this movie especially like we get all the important scenes with Harry, Hermione, and Ron, and that's that's all we have time for. Um, and I'm not saying there's an easy way to do this; adaptations are hard. But I I don't know. I I think there could have been a more efficient may, way to do it. Maybe that would allow you to keep more of that feeling. 
yeah. that maybe I felt more in the first one than in this one. But I, I just feel like a lot of nuance is lost um, in this because they were so they were slaving so hard to adapt directly direct literal do a direct literal literal adaptation i cannot speak it's fine um yeah that's my worst thing yeah i did not think i had that much to say about it but that's fine <laughs> yeah and I, I i don't have as much to say about that right. uh that was one of the things i was kind of throwing around for my worst thing um but for some reason maybe it's just because this time i wasn't watching it with you mm-hmm. um Maybe I was watching it more passively. I enjoyed this quite a bit more than Sorcerer's mm-hmm. Stone. Um, and I'm wondering, just trying to separate ourselves from the books just because we've read them so recently. Sure. Is it, sure. I'm not sure how fair a criticism that is, considering it, it's hard to separate the two. Yeah. Um, like, I kind of wish one of us hadn't been reading the books. Yeah. Um, that way one of us could be like, well, I think it works just fine as a movie. I don't know. I feel like you would have been better suited for that. Yeah. The problem but... was the moment we, we dove back into this universe, I was like, I have to completely reimburse myself in this. Yeah. Because um, like I was saying, this is a very close series. And I probably would have, well, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but like you but said, I think it's there, also... There, there is probably a better way to do this where you keep a lot more of the heart and the the yeah. some of the stronger emotional beats at the expense of you know having it be such a literal adaptation yes um, exactly. but i'm not if you're sure it's it, the fairest criticism to be like that's the worst thing about the movie i, right. I don't know this uh, yeah this is just for me and and it's it's and of course we were saying that all up and down in our sorcerer's stone episode so. right right um I was going to say, it's, I mean, for me, it is like, uh, where was going with that? Skyping is weird. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I've completely lost my train of thought. Continue. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm going to jump into my best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say Kenneth Branagh. Um, <laughs> A rare uh, dual best thing for the podcast. Um, if we really need to be that uptight about it my best thing will be john williams score again sure um sure. but i'd rather go with <laughs> kenneth branagh because he's just delightful uh mm-hmm. every scene john he, every scene he's in is just pure gold mm-hmm. um i kind of, it I, I know they bring back lockhart briefly in number five but i wish or, or the book not the movie um mm-hmm. but i wish they had brought him back in some capacity yeah. to do something yeah it turns out he's a Death Eater too, <laughs> even though he forgot everything. Or, or he ends up going to Hogwarts and he's a student there. That would be amazing. Yeah, there that you would go. Be incredible. That sixth book would be so much, or six books, sorry, six movie would be so much better if they just like were like, ah, screw it, and then just brought him back. Like they're doing their stupid romance Twilight crap, and Lockhart <laughs> just peeks around the corner. These kids are weird. <laughs> Can you tell me how to find the bathroom? <laughs> um, Can you tell me who I am? <laughs> yeah. uh, my worst thing, and this was the first thing I thought of immediately after watching the movie, and this is a criticism that I have for the book as well, and it's purely because it's a kid's book, so I know that it can't get too dark, but I just think it is one of the most convenient things that <laughs> nobody gets killed by the basilisk. 
Right. And the 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 huge extremes that Rowling takes the narrative on the excuses for why people don't die. Right. Mrs. Norris, she looks in the water. Oh, she, she that she's fine. Um, uh, is it? Uh, Colin looks through the camera. Okay, at least yep. the camera's set up. Um, Justin Finch Fletchley looks through Nick, nearly headless. He Nick. looks through the ghost. Uh, come on. And I come don't on. know that we ever figure out how nearly headless Nick gets better. Do we? Does that is that explained? No. <laughs> it's definitely not in the movie. And I don't know if it is in the book either. Because it's like, I'm looking this up. Because because then it's like, well, 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 wouldn't he have known what happened and and been able to to explain it? Yeah, what? I don't know. And I, think I still can't a... believe that's John Cleese. I'm yep. still so blown away by that. That's that's such a waste. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, especially after after this one, I think they show like a couple more ghosts, but for the most part, the ghosts just disappear, and we never yes. see nearly headless Nick again. Which uh, is an interesting thing, um, because one of I mean, probably the biggest literal plot to book or book to movie or change is. Um, nearly headless nick's death day party yeah not being in the movie which i think is actually completely fine right like i think that that is that is a per like we go straight from from harry he's in lockhart's room doing his detention and then we go from there to harry finding the chamber of secrets they they change the dialogue a bit it all works perfectly they, they should do more of that to, to streamline the plot make it not as like stiff and and hit beat hit beat hit beat check yeah. off the check off the thing check off the thing um they should do more of that i feel like of of kind of kind of taking some some uh what okay he he just stopped talking <laughs> folks no sorry sorry fine i just found the the harry potter wiki explanation of this and it says um by the end of the year, Professor Sprout's mandrakes had fully matured and were used to make a mandrake restorative drug, which was administered to revive all those who had been petrified, including Sir Nicholas. The method by which the drought was administered was administered to Sir Nicholas is unknown. I'll, I'll give you one very clear answer. What? It was done very carefully. <laughs> what a plot hole. F minus. <laughs> F minus, you know this whole series is just full of holes. Oh, I don't oh, buy it for a second. Yep. I don't know. I, I probably the, the next biggest thing with regards to like being such a literal adaptation. Some yep. of the things where they should be cutting down, mm-hmm. um, but instead they choose to embellish. Pretty much every single major action sequence yes. or set piece is yes, just exactly. too long. Whether it be the Quidditch chase, although uh, this time the Quidditch looks a lot better. I think overall the movie yeah. generally just looks better. Effects are generally better. I think they do a little more practical stuff, like with kind of uh, maybe some of the spiders. I feel like there's a bit of that. Yeah. Um, do a bit of like large animatronic stuff, I guess. And, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... of I mean, yeah, just in general, all the effects look much improved. Any CGI looks a lot better. Um, but that Quidditch match just goes on for so long. 
Yeah. Um, that, the the chase scene with the spiders, that goes on too long. And then, of course, everything with the basilisk, basilisk at the end goes on for too long. But then there's other smaller parts where they, they do streamline the plot, like you said, cutting out the Death Day party. Also, um, in the book, after Hagrid gets arrested, Harry and Ron don't immediately go to follow the spiders. That happens mm-hmm. later. Whereas in the movie, he you know he says uh, anyone who wants to find out what's going on should uh, follow the spiders. And yep, that's all I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. And then they just go into the Forbidden for- Forest. Like they they do mm-hmm. a good job of of I didn't even notice that. Yeah, shortening that. Uh, so there were a couple moments like that that I noticed. Um, and I think I do think the fact that this movie is longer does help alleviate some of the problems that we yeah. have with Sorcerer's Stone regarding that True. a little bit. But it's still, it feels too much like we've got our list of every single major plot point that we need to cover and we got to get to them as fast mm-hmm. as we can. We got to keep this movie under two hours and 45 minutes. Yep. Definitely feels know. that way. Um, where do I want to go next? I mean, for do, do we want to kind of break down the action sequences maybe a little more? Do we want to start there? Sure. Might be an obvious place to start. As far as far as if we if we were writing this and trying to make it keep more of that heart, I guess how how would we go about that and fitting this into a maybe see if we can squeeze it down to like two and a half hours and make it a much more efficient movie. Um, yeah, the first thing. So really, I mean, there's really like four action sequences, right? Oh, I so got one for you. What? Cut out the entire dueling sequence or the dueling club. Oh, that's a that's a huge thing that I I completely forgot about. Um cut it out yeah we don't yeah it, it's complete i know we get the scene of him talking to the snake you can do that some other way you don't need a whole like 10 minute yeah. sequence to get us there well for one you're not wrong two this is where we start with the like, have everything it, have it be draco conjures up a snake because he's trying to freak people out because people think he's the heir of slytherin sure something, like something. Or... and it can be an allusion to oh the 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 monster in the chamber is actually a snake, but nobody actually knows about it. Yeah. I don't know. You yeah. could do something. No, with that's that. good. That's good. Um, and I was going to say also that is the scene where we begin um, deciding, or we begin seeing. Oh, hey! Uh, literally every spell is you go back, you go, you get hit, and you go backwards, and it's just yeah. like a blast of light. And that's something I noticed in the book too, because because she describes like, oh, expelling armors. That's a spell that that casts the yeah. wand out of your hand, whatever. Um, but in the book, she says, people get f- driven off their feet, and right. then the wand flies out of their hands. Right. Um, and that's consistent with what we get here. Right. But However. Then, but then, like, later on, like, the wand just flicks out of people's hands, and they don't fall over. Interesting. In the or book le- or the movie? At least in movies. I don't know yeah. about the books. Well, I was going to say, also, um, in the... That might be a bit of retconning by her, because I feel like, now that I think about it, that does, that is like later on there is there are definitely times where people just lose their wands and that's it um maybe you have to be, be careful about where you're aiming you have to aim yeah, exactly sure. for the wand there, there you go <laughs> um no i was gonna say also though uh harry uses like the the tickling spell the tickling curse or whatever it is on malfoy and it's just a blast of red light and he goes backwards he it's the same it's rick December. it's the, the exact same spell yeah but it just knocks him backwards and that's what like both of their spells do and i think i feel like they do like three different spells like that yeah and it's just like oh okay this got way less cool um, well, I, I remember 
when I was a kid and I saw like the the commercials or the advertisements for the movie, and then mm. you know they hold up their wands, almost like a a gunslinger type thing, and yeah. then Malfoy goes scared Potter, and, and Harry responds, "You wish." And I remember yeah. thinking that was just the coolest thing. <laughs> oh, how the times have changed. Yeah. Easier to think that's cool when you're the same age or less, <laughs> or or less, quite a bit less. Yes. Um, yeah, it's. I don't know. There's just a lot of a lot of like fudging things like that. Hear me out. Yes. This is something I I considered, and I'm not sure if it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Cut out Malfoy from these movies. Oh yeah, you did tell me about this. I don't know how you handle Half-Blood Prince. Right. But I think you can get away with cutting Malfoy out of these movies and you'd have a lot more free time. You're not wrong. To do other more useful things. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You don't even need to necessarily cut him out, but just use him less. Yeah. You have him in literally every class with Harry when there's supposed to be a big deal about like, oh yeah, Harry, he's got his class with the Hufflepuffs and this one's just a Gryffindor class and... And that, like, and that extends even to to the quote unquote good Harry Potter movies, like in yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban. In the Bogger uh, training scene, uh, Malfoy, Crabbe, and Goyle are in there, and there's no response from them when a Dementor pops out and tries to get Harry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they should. They would be the first one saying something. Yeah, yeah. Don't bother having them there if when some when you they would naturally respond or say something they don't it makes no sense no i agree um oh there's something else that i thought of while we were talking about this there so talking about things that they did make more efficient examples of we're we're kind of just bouncing all over the place here but we've we've opened a can of worms i mean we 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 do that way more than we think (laughs) you're not wrong uh it's 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 really progress that we're catching it honestly um is a bit so in uh flourish and blots where um the uh they they meet lockhart for the first time and they're getting their books um oh by the way whole... remind me hold that thought remind me we need to talk about extended edition stuff oh yeah did you Continue. watch it were you able to track it down no i haven't watched it but i know a couple of key scenes okay continue um there is a fight like a full-on like fist fight between Lucius Malfoy and Arthur Weasley in the book. Yes, and they cut that out, which is one hundred percent fine. Don't yeah. do that. Like that's that's totally, well, especially totally because good. Arthur needs to have the high ground. Like he ne- yeah. never needs to stoop down to that level. Yeah, I think. Um, I think it work. I think it works perfectly fine in the in the movie. Um, because Malfoy Lucius he just picks up Ginny's books and he's like yeah. a hand me down books and he's making fun of them. And then he, he slides the diary in there, efficient. which we it need works. to you we need to talk about the diary. <laughs> I know they explain it more in the book, with with Malfoy trying to hide dark evil goods, right? Malfoy Especially with the retconning it. that the the diary is a Horcrux. I don't know if I buy number one, Lucius having it in the first place, mm-hmm. and number two, why is he doing it now? I believe. At least does, in the book. Does he know what its power is? I was going to say, I think in the book we finally get to that, and this, I guess, is part of a retcon with the Horcruxes, but I think we eventually get to the point where it's like, if Malfoy had known, if Lucius had known just how like powerful that was, he would have 
never given that up because like he he would never like he didn't he didn't realize just how like superbly angry Voldemort would have been with him if he had known he was giving it up at the time like but it seems uh, to be like a careful plan that he's working on like what what what's what does he know that it will unleash the air of slytherin and the basilisk and all that there is there is that (laughs) there is that question i don't know i I don't know how much he actually knows and he knows it will happen to because why not just give it to draco right why do you have to sneak it in Ginny's cauldron? Well, because he's trying to frame Ginny. Because, and again, this goes back to the fact that the book talks about how oh, he's trying to frame Ginny because Arthur's onto him, and he wants Arthur to be, uh, to, to I guess have a, a blemish on his on his yeah. career on his record so that he can get discredited, and then he can use Lucius can use that to kind of push away some of the laws he's using, and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, and that, that's a weird thing because you know at the end when they're talking to Dumbledore. Ginny and the Weasleys are in the room and there's a lot of discussion about oh she's not actually at fault um here's what really happened and they, they really delve into the details of that yeah but no we need a longer uh fight scene where Harry runs down a corridor and then he whacks a, a fake uh snake with a sword so that that looks like it was bought at Party City let's start i have issues with the snake or the sword (laughs) um let's start with uh the the flying car okay so they steal the flying car fine you know good moving on okay um oh yeah there's the whole bit with it with him they're like i think we found the train and and harry's dangling out the side we don't need that the whole part with the part, the little joke with them flying, they land in front of the train, train blows their horn at them, they freak out, they fly up. That's all you need. That's a, that's enough. That's a good little visual bit. Um, well, especially because thirty that's seconds a fine afterwards, addition. they get attacked by the Whomping Willow. Yes, yes, that's a, it that's a, a fun bit little. Redundant. Yeah, yeah. Um, but instead, they turn this into somehow like Harry almost falls out of the train. He's he's or the train, the car, and he's holding on by like just one hand and it, and ron's hand is super slippery and it, it literally is like 30 seconds of of them just like dragging this on and making this 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 run and and, and harry's dangling or whatever it's action and then, movie schlock yes these shouldn't really be action movies like the the action is always at the end and it's always it's usually pretty quick too like it's it's the it's only usually... one that should be an action movie is deathly hallows part two exactly um, and even that one, I have problems with the action. Yes, exactly. And and it really should be a lot more of, oh, we're we're fine. We're just sort of um, doing a drama. We're it's it's almost the same uh, thing. Doing it, doing a deep cut back to one of our our very early episodes uh, with Amazing Spider-Man, where the original the best plan movie the, ever made. Correct. The original sp- plan for the Amazing Spider-Man movies was to make them like it's a, it's a it's almost a Twilight esque. Uh, romance about Peter and Gwen, and and it's a lot more grounded. It's down to earth. Um, it's a it's kind of a low budget movie, and they turn it into this mess. And that that's sort of the same thing I feel here, where th- you should have had it be more of a. I don't know. I don't even know what genre that is, but it's it shouldn't be this. Um, Especially because the like, the think, the think excitement should come Stone. from the. Mm-hmm. The the end of that movie is Harry touches a dude's face and he falls apart. Exactly. 
it's, it's not a little dramatic that's fine it's not harry's whacking at a giant fake yes. snake with a with a party city sword yes um and we'll get to that I'm, I'm building up towards it um next thing is the quidditch match next yeah. thing they try and blow into a set piece um yeah i do like how at least they they give time between the set pieces for the most part yeah um because it's a it's a good while before like between the whopping willow attack and the quidditch true, match true. um which is fine which is good but then the the quidditch match goes on for like five minutes and there's like i, I swear they almost use the same scene they might as well be using the same footage uh, of Malfoy and Harry flying around under the rafters and just sort of like the bludger is like, oh, the bludger's here. Oh, it's gone. Oh, the bludger's gone. Oh, it's back again. Oh, oh, it's gone again. Okay, there's the snitch. Oh, it's gone. And then they come up and then Harry finally gets... And then after Harry gets knocked off the broom and gets the snitch, he has to roll around avoiding the bludger. Yeah. Like in a, like just... just He lands. He has a snitch. Yay. Lockhart scene. Well, plus there's the whole bit where, where like, um, Wood, the gryffindor team captain yeah he's like harry are you all right oh wood look out and then woods broom gets like smashed in half oh, by yeah. the bludger and we don't see it did, did he die that? he's not in the third movie <laughs> i don't know no he's he's in this movie later because oh, there's he? the scene where they walk up to the quidditch match and then mcgonagall's like nah, oh, no quidditch right. and he's like no nah! no that's um, his that's his twin brother <laughs> olivia wood <laughs> his his brother is named Olivia. All right, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly. Um, I don't know if that's allegedly his brother or allegedly Olivia. Um, anyway, the release the Columbus cut. We need the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Snyder's been working on on his Justice League director's cut for what, like seven months? Isn't that what they said? Christopher Columbus has been working on his his director's cut of Chamber of Secrets for six, sixteen years. years. <laughs> the public will see this one day. Darn it! He's actually making just his masterful like fifty-hour Harry Potter cut of just everything. But that's what that's that's been the secret uh the secret project for for all the cast of Harry Potter movies anyway um <laughs> so yeah that goes on way too long uh then we get to the spider scene yes which is fun for a little while also uh, fun fun fact i do love how the actor that plays uh cornelius fudge is the same guy across all the movies is he sweet yes that's good. That's good. that could have been something so easy that they recasted right. in in Azkaban and they didn't and right yeah and yet they changed the location of the Whomping Willow and Hagrid's yeah. hut and yeah, yeah. fine <laughs> these movies are full of holes yeah that's fine uh f minus um the I don't know that basically they they go into the woods they it, it's you know they they get to um. For one, they do see the car beforehand, which is kind of odd. They see the car before they get rescued by Aragog. Um, not sure in how the, I feel about that. In the book, right? What? In the book, right? No, in the movie. I believe. I don't think so. I swear they do. I don't know. Whatever. Not a huge deal. It's just... It, 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 the, it, the fact that I don't remember this specifically, I feel like, speaks to the fact that 
it goes on quite a bit in the in the movie. Um, but basically, it they they end up in front of Aragog. They had, you know that that's all played well. Good good conversation. They condense the conversation a little bit, but it, it all works. Um, and then there's another like five minutes of them escaping the, the forest. Yep. It's, it should just be like car shows up. You know they're they're freaking out. Car shows up, gets them. They, they ram through some spiders. Get they escape. Yeah. But this is like the car keeps like slowing down and like they keep getting attacked by spiders and they have to like try and fly up out of the forest and it's just such a thing yeah which i will say the scene with this car and the whomping willow is really effective um they they use that well earlier the whomping willow has some cool practical effects going on and it never yeah. looks terrible when they use cgi um and and there's just a lot of, of it's, it's a pretty neat little set piece uh to, to, that they use it's effective it's scary and, and they they move on with their day it looks really cool it's a really good design um basically it, it works a lot better than that scene later in the forest i feel like we should reiterate our problem isn't just their action sequences uh and they're terrible that's mm-hmm. that's not our problem with it the problem is they're wasting precious time exactly. on making these sequences longer than they were in the books while failing to actually focus on some of the the more important emotional stuff yeah. from the books if you get back five minutes from across all of these action sequences you just get five minutes total just squeeze a bit squeeze squeeze a few minutes here and there where you're you're taking a a, a scene too long and you just scatter that with like 15 20 30 seconds here and there of people reacting to things happening at hogwarts you got fred and george and Ginny and neville and uh Seamus and and Dean and you just have that be a thing that's going on you get maybe some lavender brown maybe Pravati Patil Patel Patel um and you just you just have that that little sense of this is a living community school thing yeah these are real people and they're not just there for big gags on the side uh I feel like that would go so far into bringing this movie to life uh, yeah. More so than it than what it has, at least. Let's talk about the actual chamber and yeah. all that that stuff. So um, here's the thing. Pipes. It's okay. <laughs> um, That's my vote. Fair. So pipes. Um, the in the book and I keep saying in the book it's kind of like when whenever we watch a comic book movie and I, I keep saying stuff like that I'm not trying to say everything in the books is better than everything in the movies we've, we've established several bits where we're like oh hey that's a really nice way of condensing that and taking that out uh, maybe there's a nice a nice bit or joke or emotional beat here and there that actually works the problem is there's a lot of this that doesn't um, and one of it is the fact or one one piece is the fact that the the snake skin that the, it's a very specific line that I noticed. They they find the snake skin in the Chamber of Secrets, right? The basilisk skin. In the book, uh, the description is it must have, whatever shed this must have been, or sorry, twenty feet long, right? Twenty feet. Right. Long. They explicitly say in the movie they have Ron say this thing must have been sixty feet long, and so right there we're already like, okay, you've made this. You're, you're, I, it's a cool-ish creature design. Um, it looks, it looks fairly neat. It's a huge, a huge neat snake. Pretty creepy, pretty terrifying in the movie. It's a pretty cool design. Yeah. However, I, 
I feel like it, it, it would be a lot more interesting if the basilisk, because I rereading the book, it almost feels like it plays like this, where the basilisk is is more of just like a giant snake. It's not it's not like a behemoth. It's not it's not the Loch Ness monster. It's just like a really long, thick boa constrictor, something like that. And that would make a lot more sense for how it gets around the school. Because I never even processed this until I reread the books for this, like, viewing. Um, but it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense that the basilisk is somehow sneaking around the school and nobody's noticing it. When it's, when it's that huge. big. Yeah. Um, it would make a lot more sense if it's like, oh, this, is th- this thing's just sneaking around. The big snake, it kind of, like, slithers through the, the, the floors or whatever. It sees a, sees a thing, thinks it killed it, and, and slithers off again. I don't know. Um, and it makes a lot more sense, too. Like, Harry's arm should be chopped off. When the basilisk bites down and Harry goes to stab it in the, in the movie. Uh, it would make a lot more sense if it was like, oh, he killed this thing because he stabbed a sword through its head rather than just like, this thing is like a dragon and stabbing it through the roof of the mouth just happens to be that, like, a, I guess he hit, he punctured the brain or whatever, or like a vital organ or something and that was enough. Yeah. Um, which is not a huge, that's nitpicky, nit, nitpicky, but I'm saying it would make a lot more sense. It would probably be a lot more effective if it was like, and just like it's a it stabs through puts the snake's head open you don't have to be that violent about it but um i feel like that just plays a little better that that's that's a lot more interesting to me from a set piece perspective as opposed to harry is running around this chamber literally an extra five minutes of nothing harry runs away and comes back and the snake follows him and then he throws a rock and then the snake turns away and then he runs back well even more so adding on to that you you reminded me yeah. in the book riddle says it can still hear you and smell you yeah very specific. in the movie they cut out the smell you bit so they can have that extra yeah. tunnel bit yes so they because then otherwise it would just eat harry <laughs> yeah if it uh if it could smell him and, and got that close to him I will um, say I really love the design of the chamber itself. It's it's I pretty, do agree. It's pretty the, terrifying. The Sal- Salazar Slytherin looks his statue looks super cool. But why do we need Harry to climb on it with a giant, you know, yeah. a giant animatronic snake attacking him, and then yeah. he's got a party city sword. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll talk about the sword briefly. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's too small or it just looks fake or it's too shiny. It Probably doesn't look like an actual sword. Right. It looks like a, a plastic thing you'd buy for $10, if that, yeah. in Party City. Yeah. Or some other Halloween store. Mm-hmm. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm good. Or don't. I don't care. Um, but yeah, overall, they... I'm really curious at what, like, whose overall decision it was to make the action scenes so extended. Because yeah. I, I can't think it was the actual screenwriter. Right. Because usually I, would... I, feel, I feel like screenwriters don't really embellish on the action sequences right. all that much. Mm-hmm. I figure that's more of a storyboarding type thing. That's that's more yeah, of a Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking... A studio thing. I'm just thinking, like... like... Michael Bay, I'm sure he he sort of just like because he is the director with that clout. He doesn't. He makes really... whole movies without scripts. Yeah, I'm saying like like he works with with kind of like sort of not even hack writers, but just writers who are are working for a paycheck real quick. And... Did you see Transformers the last night? <laughs> yeah, 
he he just sort of goes from there and is just like ah we're give me give me like ten pages and we're probably fine. In the great words um, of Merlin, I'm sozzled. Oh god, we watched that. We watched that movie. We did watch that movie. The highlight of that movie was just you and Britain going Wembley. <laughs> Go listen to our Transformers Five commentary last... track and listen to us lose our minds. Yeah, yeah, go go do that. It's fun, probably. I'm not, I don't think I've ever tried to listen to it all the way through again. Well, um, Transformers 5 is now available on Amazon Prime, so uh, we don't have a, a deal with, with Amazon Prime. That would be nice. Um, but you can go ahead and watch that. Actually, have the visuals on, mute it, and then listen to us. Yeah, it'll be, be great. great. Be great. Be great. <laughs> So back to Harry Potter. <laughs> what what um, do you think of the kids? I think they've gotten a little bit better than the first one. Like I feel me, like they... For me, there were no points really, especially with like Rupert Grint. I think he was kind of the, the weakest link in the first yeah. movie. Um, Mostly because I feel like they, they gave him a couple of uh, semi-emotional beats that he just couldn't really give the oomph that they needed um mm-hmm. i feel like th- this one all, all the kids have gotten a, a bit better I, I agree um we also haven't talked about dobby there's movies too long there's too much to come. Movie is, yeah um and we haven't talked about moaning myrtle and that's correct the polyjuice potion right Jeez. and th- things so the kids yes uh, I kind of feel like Daniel Radcliffe is the weak leak here I think that's more of a weakness of the, these movies don't get enough in Harry's head could be yeah like well, there's it's, brief it's... moments like there's the bit where he's like sitting with Hedwig outside of Hogwarts and he says <laughs> who am I Hedwig what am I and it's supposed to be a nice little emotional beat but we don't get more of that yeah and there's there's a lot of I feel like they give him a ton to do more so than the last movie and they kind of put the the, the start of it uh, like the especially the beginning of this movie they kind of put it all on him and just kind of like hope he can carry it and I don't know that he quite can um, especially when you have him working on or working with a CGI Dobby transition uh, Dobby doesn't Oh, I mean, he, he is from 2002, 3, 4? 2. Oh, Tyler's it's staring off into the distance again. Did, did you? I asked you a question. I, and I answered. I did not hear you. Skype it's is kind of losing. 2002. 2002? Yes. The okay. same year as Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and right. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, um, it. One of those is a movie, <laughs> and, and the, the other, other one's is... Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Dobby. I mean, you can't really expect him to look that great nowadays. He doesn't look that great nowadays, though. I don't think he looks terrible. Not terrible. He's he's got a bit of prequelitis going on though. Um, it's it, we, the early 2000s were very much that time when 
movies were starting to understand well it, it was sort of a combination of cgi was coming along to the point where you could effectively use it and it didn't just look completely terrible yeah um without having like a massive budget i guess but then also uh it still wasn't there quite well for I, don't, me, I feel like with cgi we didn't really get there until avatar for as many problems as we might have with avatar i think that was sort of the defining moment of okay we've gotten yeah. to a place where we can use cgi let's all use cgi yeah um, well for me the biggest thing i i will say in this movie's favor um especially when i'm judging cgi that's from this long ago um mm-hmm. and it's not a mocap person it's not it's not Ahmed best as jar jar binks it's not andy circus as sure. uh Gollum. um I can't believe I put those two in the same sentence. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, a small character that you don't have any mocap for. You're creating him out of thin air. So mm-hmm. I'm not judging it so much off the quality of the CG, especially with how old That's it true. is. I'm judging it off of how expressive is this character? Yep. How how yep. interesting is the performance? And I, I think Dobby is fairly convincing, at least with the mm-hmm. acting. Yeah. You won't be over. Fair enough. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, so um, you're ready to give Alien 3 an A-plus now, right? Not in the slightest. So, <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> uh, you had several points, and I was going to try and transition from Dobby to one of them, and I don't know what the point was. I don't know either. <laughs> you said you said things. You said a lot of things. I, I tend to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly on this podcast. Are, are we just gonna sit here awkwardly while you you're, try you're to looking remember? at me like i'm for i i i i, I jumped i transitioned us to dobby i got us this far yeah and then i said my piece on dobby <laughs> it's moving along folks um another thing that i'm just gonna another nitpicky thing that i'm gonna point out um ron in, in oh the so, acting so, we kind what, of the acting yeah. we kind of moved from that to dobby we didn't really talk about the acting all i feel like no none of the other kids are that like emma watson's still kind of the bright spot yeah yeah and i will um, say this movie's missing a little bit of something when she gets petrified and then she just disappears from the third act yes yes and that kind of goes into the way we transition from the mystery being maybe resolved the the way this movie handles the mystery i feel like it's all sort of off um chronologic chronologically uh in the book all the all the petrifications happen up to um like christmas break like holiday break and then uh hermione gets petrified like a few months later and it's like oh no um and then, like that, everyone's like everyone had kind of maybe thought that everything was fine, yeah. Um, up to that point, like thought maybe had, maybe it was done. And so chronologically, sure, halfway, technically halfway through the year, uh, we're done. We're done, kind of expanding on that mystery for a little while, right? Uh, well, especially because they they figure out that Malfoy is in fact not the heir of Slytherin, yes. so they yes. don't really know where to go from there. Yes, and it kind of stalls out for a little bit. Yeah. Um, instead, I mean, like it. That's how it. That's how it's. That's the timeline. 
But in the movie, it, we get through with those... Like, I feel like it's almost every other scene is someone getting petrified. Uh, once we start once we start up the mystery, once Miss Norris gets caught, or gets found, I should say, um, it feels like it's just like, all right, petrified. All right, let's have another scene. All right, petrified this person, like, you know, Colin Creepy. All right. right, let's have another scene. All right, Justin fin- Finch Fletchley. Um, and, then, like, it feels like we just cycle through those really, really fast. And I, I feel like the building of the pacing is entirely like you don't you can play you could stretch that out throughout the year. You don't necessarily have to be like oh maybe there's a there's a lull and everyone's not sure because in a movie maybe you don't have time for that. Maybe you don't have time to really expand on like oh now we've kind of we've kind of got a, a pause. Maybe maybe you just build it the entire time where they're just it's a race to figure out who it is. You can do something like that to, to kind of bring the momentum along, and that's where I feel like a lot is lost is because there's not a lot of transitional stuff. There's just a lot of we got to get the scene down, and then because there's a lot of scenes that happen when nothing is, no one's getting attacked or anything, I feel like we lose a lot of the atmosphere. Because I think the book overall reads really well as as a mystery. Like it's it's a it's relatively dark. Yeah. Uh, it it you know it kind of gets a little freaky at times. Like it, it's it's really interesting. Um, and then I feel like the movie it it's so determined to hit those beats without understanding why it needs to hit those beats and sort of just you can rearrange some timelines, you can rearrange some scenes, rearrange stuff happening in order to make this flow as one big long mystery. And I don't think that really comes through in the movie. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I feel like it, it does a decent job at telling the mystery. And maybe that's just because I was listening to an interview with Rowling and, and Steve Clovis, the, mm-hmm. the screenwriter for all these movies, and they were talking about how much easier it was to write this script as opposed to Sorcerer's Stone, just because Sorcerer's Stone is a lot more episodic, right? And this one is kind of just all about the mystery. Yes. So I think that is a, a worthwhile criticism, but I don't think just because we were making the same criticisms. Or similar criticisms True. during Sorcerer's Stone, I yes. think they're lessened here. But they're still there. But they're still there. Yeah. I guess I just I don't feel the pacing of Sorcerer's Stone as much because we're still. I mean, it, it. I do. I did have a ton of problems with the beginning of that movie, um, and especially I had those problems after reading the book because there's a lot of stuff that really built out the world that they left out, like the fact that the beginning of the Sorcerer's Stone book is that. Uh, the, it's it's the wizarding world celebrating the fact that Voldemort's dead and, and that I think that's a really interesting place to start Yeah, and we get to just follow Uncle Vernon for a little while as he's slowly losing his mind and it's great um, anyway, besides the point uh, I, it feels like a lot of that comes through to me kind of through the middle of this movie where it feels like we're just doing things to do them because um, we gotta knock these out real quick and then we gotta move on to the stuff that we're gonna spend some more time on uh, which is for this movie kind of the third act with the spiders and and the basilisk and everything. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Little nitpick I was gonna throw out there a second ago. If 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 we can take a pause in the overall actual criticism. Um, okay. The scene where. So so there is there's the scene where um. They are they're going to to Quidditch. To, to do some Quidditch training, and they meet the Slytherins, and Malfoy's bought his way onto the, the Slytherin team by getting all his all his teammates broomed. I love the fact that Malfoy is terrible at being a seeker compared to Harry, and like that, 
he like never really gets like like as we see in like the, the next movie he never really actually succeeds um at, at accomplishing anything anyway uh where are they going with this my thoughts exactly hermione is there <laughs> and malfoy somehow or another conversation comes up or i think she she she's like well at least nobody had the bribe nobody on the gryffindor team had to bribe their way on or whatever yeah um and then draco's like nobody asked you you filthy mudblood um immediately the way that scene is described again in the book uh everyone immediately has this very visceral gut reaction that's when ron like like it it, it's like fred and george immediately lose their minds like they want to they they uh, I think like the, their teammates have to hold them back to, to stop them from going at Malfoy, and Ron uh, curses him, of course, and that's how he gets blasted with the slug thing. Um, and then Ron kind of explains that that's like, like Hermione's not even that phased by it, but Ron kind of explains that it's a super horrible thing. Kind of implied, oh, this is a racial slur. That's basically what we're what we've got here. Um, that's a really interesting idea. That's something that plays into a lot of this stuff in the later books and later movies, where where you know we we get more of the death eaters and and how they come into play and how they come back to voldemort and why they kind of hold on to these ideals there's stuff going on there in the movie it's kind of played like malfoy says that and then everyone just kind of like stares at him for for a few seconds and then ron's like you'll pay for that malfoy and then then slugs uh and then everyone laughs like all all the slytherins laugh and that's kind of all we get of that it's it, it just feels very bizarrely played um, I feel like there should be more of a reaction to that, and then and then Hermione explains that she's really upset because she knows the meaning behind this. Yeah, which I'm not a huge fan of because it's like, oh, I don't know. Well, my uh, problem with it is they they make Ron such of a a, a goof and a, an idiot in these movies, yes. and that's partially because they keep taking away crucial exposition from them and they mm-hmm. keep giving it to hagrid or hermione mm-hmm. uh in the book ron is the one who explains why mudblood is such a bad word right and hermione doesn't actually know what it means because she's never heard it before which makes sense because if all she's been reading is like books i don't know if she would know that word or just like you know literature for classes and stuff i don't know um i don't know i I feel like these movies just overall don't do the best job of handling ron as a character and that that's one of the big reasons why which kind of plays into something that i want to talk about in the movies because i i a lot of people hate and this is this is getting far beyond what we're talking about in this movie but i'm going to make a point with this um a lot of people hate the fact that Ron and Hermione end up together and Harry and Ginny end up together. Like, that's... You're this guy! Hand. You're on the SS Pumpkin Pie or whatever the crap we read <laughs> whatever off last week. Crap was um, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hugely against it. I just don't think it was... Played up enough? Constructed well but enough. That's what I'm curious about is... And I I'm, I'm, haven't gotten this far in the books or anything. Um, but I do wonder how much these movies color people's perceptions of the books and and because i think generally a lot of people who did watch these movies were people who had read them um but there's something really interesting i noticed as i was kind of looking into these which is that uh harry potter book rankings and harry potter movie rankings 
um, they're all they're both kind of all over the place. However, yeah. the second book is easily the most consistently listed as the worst on both book and movie rankings. And the same goes like just looking online, you know, at fan fan sites or whatever. Right. Um, and the same goes for the third being ranked as the best book and movie. Right. And I'm very curious how much of that plays is plays from the fact that people generally consider Chamber Secrets the worst and the worst movie and Prisoner of Azkaban the best movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's really interesting to me because I'm not sure I... I mean, I'll have to kind of watch it. I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll continue to rank these as we go through them. Uh, but I'm, I'm really not sure what, like, if, if I totally agree with that. I don't know. That's just really interesting to me. And I, I, I feel like it kind of goes back to the fact that we're obsessed with this idea, which we haven't mentioned yet on this podcast. And I'm going to make sure we mention every time just to continue driving it down people's ears so that they get used to it. And then slowly one day our 60 followers will uh, take over the world and then we'll be able to make this. Um, the uh, Harry Potter um, miniseries that we have a dream of doing. I really want this where, where they can spend time to actually develop the entire, the like everything I was talking about with the nuance in the heart of the books um, and it, it makes me wonder how much is missed by people and how, how much people kind of look down maybe now on the books because they're like, oh, they're just kids' books, it's whatever, um, because maybe they've, they've had, that, had their, their thoughts and their expectations uh, changed by the movies. Yeah. Her, J.K. Rowling, I was talking about this earlier, her, her prose is not going to win awards or did not win any awards, I should say. Um, I mean, it, she won a lot of kids awards and stuff um but it's really smart writing like there's a lot of turns well, of phrase good at, she's good at plotting and character it's not so much yeah. like she's a wordsmith or anything right. like that there's just she's just a great storyteller there's so many there's so many ways she presents information and ways she kind of sets things up every single book there's always little setups and setups and payoffs they don't feel super significant but little setups and payoffs that kind of play into something that she's going to introduce in a larger way later in the narrative the every single book almost plays like a movie because it plays like it's a, it's its own structured thing um with all these beats to, to pay off and every everything sort of comes full circle by the end of it uh and, and it's really just smart writing i mean the way the way she writes things and the way she describes things and and kind of the way she she throws out details that end up becoming important it's all really well done in a way that i would not have ever and did not ever really appreciate i don't think when i was younger like I just knew I enjoyed them because of the story and did not really understand why I was enjoying the story so much. And I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I would like to see if 10 years from now they tried to make a miniseries or something, tried to reboot the series one way or another, uh, how well that would go because I, I think it might actually go pretty well because I think you could do a lot better adaptation than what these movies have done, even if they did do a pretty good job with what they were given. It's a pretty sweeping statement to give him movie two, I realize. <laughs> That's kind of how I'm feeling at the moment. I might change my mind completely after three. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so, how many of these movies have extended cuts? I believe they all do, but what they really are is just like, oh, there's a deleted scene. Okay. Like, I think they just take the deleted scenes, they put them back in the movie, and maybe they finish them up a little more. Um, okay. I've never watched any of them, but, yeah. I think I believe, there was one for Sorcerer's Stone as well that we missed. Whenever they play them on, like, ABC Family, mm -hmm. 
I've noticed, I don't know if they do this for all of them, but I've noticed at least like Chamber of Secrets, and I think Prisoner of Azkaban get some of the deleted scenes added back yeah. in. Um, That's probably what they use, yeah. So for this one, the two biggest ones, um, one, when Harry uses the flu powder and he ends up in Nocturne Alley, mm-hmm. they have the whole scene of Lucius and Draco going into the store and Harry hides, and right. Lucius is trying to give up some of his valuable items. Mm-hmm. Which is a good setup. Which is a good setup. For the diary. Um, and then also, there's more... There's a scene where Harry's like in a study room with a bunch of the other kids. Mm-hmm. And this is after everybody thinks that he's the heir of Slytherin. And he looks around, everybody's watching him. And then he just leaves. Yeah. The scene, you can see at the very end of the scene, like it cuts as Harry's walking out. And you can see yeah. through the glass behind him that the... It's a bunch of Hufflepuff kids. They're they're Justin Finch Fletchley's friends. Yes. And they're about to start talking. Bad you know, bad mouthing about Harry and how they think he's there of Slytherin. That whole scene's cut. Mm-hmm. Those are the two big ones that I, I remember. Um I think that's about like I I think there's only like 10, 15 minutes added. I don't think it's much. I don't think it's worth it to watch the extended cuts for these, mm-hmm. particularly because I'm kinda of hard to track down. You kind of have to have yeah. the entire set. Yeah. Well, even like the the Blu-ray set that I have, I, they might come with deleted scenes. I'm not even sure. But then you'd have to go back, and it's at that point you're not really evaluating an extended cut. You're evaluating are these deleted scenes better? We yeah. didn't give we didn't give Hulk a better grade because Incredible Hulk a better grade because we thought that deleted scenes would have made it a lot better. Yeah, you're probably right. I know you complained about the ending after you watched this. I absolutely love the ending, the final scene. It's a little cheesy. (laughs) I absolutely love it. A plus. If the rest of the movie had that kind of emotion, A plus. Well, that that feels. I loved it. The movie Sorcerer's Stone, like that, feels like we're we're kind of still back in that world, and I'm not sure all of that really quite. I I mean, they're pretty consistent in tone, but like, I don't know. Mostly because of John Williams' music. Yep. <laughs> well, it's it's John Williams' music and it's 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 Robbie Robbie Coltrane's uh, acting. His his reaction is is wonderful. Yeah. Yes, it's cheesy. I don't care. <laughs> Sometimes cheesy is good. Sure. Not always. You need it in in small doses. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's really effective. Mm-hmm. All right, are we done? We might be done. <laughs> um, was there anything else we needed to talk about? I feel like I mentioned something. I think we're good. <laughs> All right, Tyler. What do you What do you give it? At? Hmm. Hmm. Exactly. C. Really. C plus. Yeah. C plus. Yep. Okay. Locking it in. Sounds good. C plus. You know what it's I'm still giving? Still a fun it? time. I, I I spent what? You know what I'm giving it? A plus. B minus. What'd you get the first one? 
We're exact inverses. We're just like the Rotten Tomatoes there scores. There we go. We're both like, yeah, it's pretty all right, I guess. <laughs> I think this one overall ha still has some of the same problems as the first one, but I mm -hmm. think they're uh, less apparent right. or less impactful. Yeah, at least to I'm, me. I'm kind of the opposite, where I, I, I feel like this one amplifies some of the problems. So I don't know. I'm I think overall it's just a, a better made movie. That's that's, that's probably that the biggest fair. thing for me. Um, I'm excited about Prisoner of Azkaban. Excited to see how that turns out. Because I, I hope I enjoy that one a lot more than I enjoyed either of these two. Even though I didn't hate these two, it would be nice to remember that my childhood, as as far as these movies go, is is was not completely in vain. Well, I'm just more <laughs> interested in rewatching Goblet of Fire because that's yeah. That was always my favorite, mm -hmm. and I'm kind of afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. All right. Do the thing. Uh, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us through email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels, and we're also on YouTube and iTunes. If you just give, give Here Come the Sequels a, a little search there. Good stuff. I agree. Any final thoughts? No, yeah, I think I think we've uh, we've done it. All right. Now remember, kids, in times of trouble, you always should remember. Art is subjective. Nothing is real. Good night, and good luck. <laughs>